There are a lot of people in my life who've seen what I've been doing and they're like, oh, I would love to be involved in real estate. I just don't know how to do it or I'm scared. I don't know where to begin. I want to be the person who can connect what I call these cautious investors to opportunities. Eric, why don't you take that and we'll just take that as first question. To answer your question, you've got these resources. Now you just need to make good relationships with people like Brian and myself, teams that are actively doing deals and see if they're open to having you come in as a partner and bringing some capital to the table to help them get to the closing line as well. This is the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast, and I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. And this podcast is designed for the aspiring apartment investor and literally gives them the opportunity to ask the questions that will help them get to the next level. So if you're an aspiring apartment investor, this podcast is for you. Now, this podcast is brought to you by the Tribe of Titans Multifamily Educational Community. It's your one-stop shop for learning how to succeed at apartment investing. Welcome to the Diary of an Apartment Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Briscoe. I have two great guys on the line today with us today uh, for our Ask the Expert episode. we got Eric Chatterton and Stace Casaria. Hey, thanks, here. Brian. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, add value in any way we can. Thanks, guys, for being on the show. And Eric, you're up to the plate first. So let's let's talk a little bit about you. How are you doing today? Doing awesome. Yeah, just obviously finished up Thanksgiving. So I'm not sure by the time this airs, but had a great Thanksgiving with family. Nice. But now we're back, foot's on the gas pedal, ready to go. Back to the grind. Did you stay in Houston for, for Thanksgiving? Yeah, we did. Yeah, family right. time and just relaxed. Awesome. Your family or your in-laws? Was it a Gibby's event or was it your side of the family? It was both because my family moved from Oregon okay. uh, out to Houston. So my my dad was able to join us. My mom's up in Oregon still, but she's okay. moving out here soon. It was a combined family event. It was fun. Awesome. And just so the listeners know, his business partners slash in-laws have also been on the podcast a couple of times. So, you know, Brett and Megan, they're, they're great people. Anyway, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, I come from a sales background. I was in sales for 12 years prior to jumping into multifamily real estate. That's the realm and asset class that I pursue. But my background is in communication and sales. And so, but really where it all kind of stems back for me is from my own parents. Mm -hmm. You know, I grew up in and around real estate, both single family and multifamily. And kind of what sparked me to jump into this space was the fact that I felt like my parents were just doing it wrong. They were in their 60s, seeing a ton of success. And what I saw them doing, though, is answering phone calls at 10 p.m., midnight, running over to the apartments to fix water leaks or having to chase down tenants for rent. And those are the types of things that made me realize, man, I feel like there's a better way to do this. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to pursue it, find it, and hopefully show them that way. And you know, since then, they've now invested in several of my deals, sold all their properties that they were actively managing, and now they're passive investors in all my properties. So, awesome. Awesome. I mean, great, great to have your parents along as passive investors. I mean, that's that's a, a great turnaround. I love it. So, you know, you you were fortunate to have parents who were in real estate, were able to learn from their mistakes. And it sounds like they were just actively managing their portfolio instead of, you know, finding a third property manager. Is that what I'm taking from that? Kind of how it worked is every single day they'd wake up and go to the apartments from six to nine AM, mm-hmm. just work for three straight hours, go to their nine to fives, then go back to the apartments for another three or four hours after work. And so, you know, seeing my parents work 14, 15 hour days in their 60s was enough fuel for me to, you know, help them find a better way. Wow. How many units did they have? 
They had 26 unit and a 42 unit and then 10 to 12 single family homes as well. Oh, wow. So they had a, they had a nice size portfolio and they owned the whole thing themselves. No syndication involved, just, just them. Just them, all the properties and self-managing all of it themselves too. (laughs) Wow. I mean, for a couple, that's a lot of units. So, you know, good for them and glad you were able to see what they were doing and say, you know what? I think we can do this better. So let's talk about getting into the the multifamily space. What were some of the difficulties you faced, some of the challenges and how did you overcome them? Well, I really just didn't know where to start. You know, I, I first thought about jumping into the space in 2017, but I was just busy with my own life. And mm-hmm. so I just never took action. And so I think the first step is just taking action, just yeah. getting into it, putting yourself out there, making relationships, finding partnerships. And so I think that's the first step. And I attribute a lot of my success to the education program that I jumped into. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if anyone wants to take this business seriously, then you need to surround yourself with people that are doing it at a high level and get yourself in front of some coaches or mentors that can teach you what you're doing. You run a program yourself, the Tribe of Titans here. like adding value to people to try to get their foot in the door in this space. And I recommend everybody take that step. Yeah. I think it's vital. And you know, a lot of people who run communities like this are going to, they'll charge you for it, obviously, but getting around the right people is huge. And if, if you don't have that, going back to how I did things, you know, I paid a lot of money to get into a coaching program, but I think the most important thing about that coaching program wasn't the information or the coach, but the people that put me around. That's my opinion. You know, I I spent a lot of money for a network of people who were actively engaged and committed. And that's one of the biggest benefits there. So, so you got into one of the programs. Tell us how Gibby's Capital came together. Yeah. So I actually started this whole thing by myself Mm -hmm. and went into this education program, got some mentors and coaches. And I realized really quick that there was way too many hats to wear for me to do this thing by myself. You know, I'm frying a turkey over Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. with my now wife's parents, Brett and Megan Davenport, who you previously mentioned. And I didn't even mean to, but I accidentally recruited them to the (laughs) business. You know, I was just telling them about what I was doing, how excited I was. And Brett was like, you know what, man? Like, that sounds awesome. I should be your partner. And and at the time we're boyfriend, girlfriend. So I was a little hesitant. Yeah. "Eh, Yeah. yeah, I, I understand that. I understand the hesitation there. There were some unknowns and, you know, for me, family comes first. And so I just wanted to make sure that any lack of success thereof wouldn't have gotten in the way of my relationship. Right. But we changed our mindset. We realized, Hey, if we just put our heads together and if we just commit to success and just don't stop till we start winning, then we'll eventually hit the victory there. And, you know, you fast forward to today and we're working on our sixth deal. We've done 778 units up to this point and just short of two years. Oh, that's cool. I, I had never heard that story before. I, I know that you guys partnered up when when you and Savannah were were engaged already, or that, that's when I think I met you guys. But uh, yep. yeah, I never heard that part of the story. I didn't know if they recruited you or if you recruited them. But I accidentally cool. recruited them, and yep. the name Gibby's just full transparency. It's just a sports bar in Denver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all lived in Denver, and we wanted something that stood out to us, and so. Gibby's. You know, one day M- Megan was like, what about Gibby's? And I was like, Gibby's like the yes. sports bar in Denver. Like why? Yeah. She's like, well, that's where Brett and I went on our first date. And I was like, no way. And the reason why is because that's where I took their daughter on our second date. And okay. we're like, it's got to be Gibby's. Gibby's. So we're Gibby's Capital Investments. So it makes sense. All right. That's cool. That's another fun fact I didn't know about you guys. Gibby's Capital. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I mean, typically people select names that mean something to them. And uh, that that's a cool story. I like that. So, so, so Brett and Megan, and then, then you two also had your, a, a significant date there. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yep. 
Well, uh, let's talk about uh, some of the properties you guys have done. You say six, six deals, 700 and something units. Let's pick one and go into a little bit of detail on that one. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all of them have gone well so far, but I, I would say the one that I've had most traction on and like more of a sample size to pull from is the first deal that we did A to Z by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, with a sponsor group, but it's the deal out in Houston, 144 units. It's called the Oasis property. It's a fun property, man. It, it's, I like to call it my baby because that was the first one. You know, We did a deal before that. We played a minor role in it, but this was the mm-hmm. first one that we sourced, raised capital, and you know, got to the closing table. And we, you know, we're the main role in that that deal. So nice. that was a fun one, and a lot of learning happened on that deal. It's never just sunshine and rainbows, as you know. I think of that one as my baby. That one's good. I mean, we projected a nineteen percent annual return. Mm-hmm. We we typically project a five percent rent growth every single year on the property, but we're already accomplishing a over a thirteen percent rent bump in our first eleven months on the property. Nice. And so we're gonna pass. Hopefully, you know, if we keep going at this pace, we're gonna surpass our investor projections. Our investors will be very happy on that deal. Yeah. So yeah, that's a good one. 144 units, bought it for 13 and a half million. Okay. Now uh, I know you guys are in Houston. Are all of your properties in Houston? So all of them are, we have one property in Dallas, Fort Worth. We've got a 224 unit there. And then the rest of our properties are all in Houston. The one that we are about to close, we're currently raising for right now uh, and have under contract. That one is actually in uh, Niles, Michigan, about 10 to 15 minutes north of the University of Notre Dame's campus. Okay. Nice. Yep. What took you there? Uh, honestly, so I I travel around and participate with the multifamily mindsets group, and so at one of their workshops, I made a relationship with a, a group out there, some complete studs, really sharp guys. They had some relationships up there. They've got a group of four, and one of them has been in multifamily for about ten years, but has never gone big. And yeah. so he wanted to go big, and so that's the first deal that we're sponsoring. So we finally got to that point, which is exciting. Yeah. So we, we kind of wanted to build a relationship with them. One of them played in the NBA for seven years and coached for nine. You know, he's a really sharp guy and he's got access to a bunch of capital too. Yeah. So we want to build the relationship with him and continue to do future deals with them as well. Awesome. Awesome. And when, when he says sponsor, just, just for the listeners, you know, some people use different terms from that key principle sponsor. There's a lot of different ways to to cut it, loan guarantor, but in order to get a loan on a larger multifamily property, the bank bank is going to be looking for a couple things. Experience is a huge one in net worth. And just just to explain how it works, you know, a lot of people who are new to this business come to the table with, you know, everything they need to manage the properties, but they may be lacking either the experience or the net worth or both. And that's where sponsors slash key principals or loan guarantors come in. They, They can partner with you on the property. They'll get an ownership percentage and they will help you qualify for that loan. Anyway, so congratulations to you guys. I think that's that's another, you, you mentioned being around other people and networking, how important that was. And that's just you know another testament right there that being in these groups where there's lots of people around are going to lead to more deals. Always. Yep. All right. Well, cool. Let's talk, shift gears a little bit and something I like to talk to everybody about. And I kind of look at it as a way to peer into people's souls a little bit. Um, might maybe creepy, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> What's your why? It's changed over time. And I think it's one of those things that has to con- like always be evolving, right? So initially when I got into the multifamily space, my why was actually to get out of debt and to be able to afford and be 
worthy enough to propose to my now wife, Savannah. Mm -hmm. So those are my big whys. And I wanted to help retire my parents. Yeah. I accomplished all, all of those things, you know, from my first couple of deals. And so after that, now the why has changed. And so a big part of my why now is I love what this industry and what this space has done for my life. If you look at me where I was two years ago, it's a completely different spot as where I am today. And I attribute a lot of it to my mentors, coaches, and just the multifamily space in general, and just being committed to learning. Mm -hmm. And so for me, one of my big whys is be even a small source of help to somebody and help encourage somebody to take this step into this space. That's what I want to do. That's where I get my fulfillment is seeing people flip that switch and realize, you know what? Yeah. Heck man, I, I can do this. Yeah. So that's where I get my fulfillment. I like it. I like it a lot. And uh, you said something that's important is, is I think most people come into this business with, with one big why and yours was to get out of debt, retire your parents. You know, mine was to, to basically, I was active duty military and I wanted my, I was building my off ramp, you know, I, I, it was hard on my family. We were, you know, I was deploying too much. And, you know, once that was done, I had to sit back and think, okay, that's, that's over and done with what's my next thing. You know, what's my next why? But I, I think the why is important. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, your your why is ever evolving. You know, things are going to change. Situations are going to change. And you're going to achieve a lot of goals. And now it's going to be like, hmm, what's next? You know, what's that next big why? So. Um, and now we have a, like a new chapter for us, right? I, I just got married and, you know, we, kids are in our future. We want a family really bad. And, mm -hmm. and so as our kids are getting older, I want to be the father that's present. You know, yeah. I want to be there and be around when the kids are taking their first steps and saying their first words and things like that. So the freedom that, that I can get from multifamily uh, can provide that. So I'm in hustle mode right now. You know, like I said, pedal to the metal, we're acquiring properties, we're raising capital, we're, you know, managing these properties and and doing really well. And I'm doing all of this right now until, you know, so when we do have a family, I can be as present as I can. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. I think that's super yep. important. All right. Well, last question for you before we bring Stace on, and uh, that's what's next. It's always what's next, right? We're always talking about what what more we can accomplish. And I think you always have to keep looking forwards. But for us, we're, we're at a really cool spot in our business where we've done really well with our current partners, but our business is starting to take off in a really good way. And so for that to happen, we have to be able to scale properly. So we've been putting a lot of emphasis on scaling and in building our team out even more, our asset management team, our capital raising team, our underwriting team. So we've been in, you know, full steam ahead with that. But the real, you know, our goals are now that we've realized what we can accomplish, our goals have significantly increased because we know what we're capable of. And so for us, what's next is, you know, we've got a ton of deal flow. We've got more deal flow than we can really handle. Yeah. And so what's next is, you know, build out our investor database, keep increasing that. We've got five or 600 of our, of investors in our database right now, not all of which are active, but if we can build that investor database up to say 2000, then yeah. we should be able to fund anything 15 to 30 million. No problem. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got, I mean, if your investor database is strong enough, I mean, you can do whatever you want in this industry, you know, but uh, it's not how many you have on your database. And I think you, you realize that and you kind of hinted to it. You got 2000 people on your database. You probably got 200 that are going to be investors. And, you know, if those 200 are the right 200, I mean, just you got rinse it. and repeat. You know, so exactly. All right. So, hey, cool. Well, shifting gears once again, we're going to bring Stace on. So, Stace, welcome. Hey, thank you, Brian. It's good to be here. 
Yeah, looking forward to the conversation with Eric, getting some answers from the two of you on a few questions I have. But just a little background on me. I'm a real estate investor, but also a a small business owner. Mm -hmm. And I've owned properties, investment properties for the past 20 years. And, And like Eric, I was also fortunate enough to grow up in a family that owned investment properties. I just didn't take the initiative early enough, you know, and I had all that advice, you know, early on when I was in college and just out of college, like, hey, start buying properties. You know, I I didn't act on that quick enough. There was a point where I took over the management of my family's portfolio of, of rentals. And I learned a lot at that time. I learned that like, you know, like Eric was saying, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into if, if you're doing self-management, there's an incredible amount of work yeah. that, that goes into it. But I also saw and you guys have seen this too, like how difficult it is to, to scale. So I didn't know that there was any other way, but um, there was a point where my day job and real estate investing intersected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I could tell you a, a little bit about that. Yeah, please um, do. My career has been in branding and advertising, and I, I currently own my own branding agency. It's called mm-hmm. Trust Deep. So we help companies identify unique differentiators and improve how they reach their ideal customer. And In the summer of 2017, I was leading a rebrand for this company called Realty Mogul. And so Realty Mogul was one of the first commercial real estate syndications. So you've heard of Realty Mogul. And like, I had never knew that this was a possibility. It's like that you can own a piece of like an apartment complex or be involved in one of these deals. And my eyes were just like wide open. I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, here we are with these, you know, like we had singles and duplexes and then, you know, like a small apartment building, but like, this was like a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm. So from that point, I was like, I've got to do what I can to like learn about syndications and get involved. So over the past couple of years, I've been investing as a limited partner, but there's more in it for me in the future. I just need to figure that out. And there's a there's some things I'd like to do to help other people get involved. And it, it sounds like some of the stuff that, that Eric's talking about, I was just like blown away when I saw this was an opportunity. And like most yeah. people just don't know that this, that this exists. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I think I'm out on a mission to change is helping people know that this is even an opportunity. When I was first learning about this, you know, you hear people talk about other people's money and using other people's money to buy big stuff, but you never get the details. But once you start realizing that, wait, I can do this, it's a whole different ballgame. So definitely hear you there. And when I found out that this was something that was possible for me to do, it was like, wow, you know, sky's the limit now. Well, cool. So let's talk a little bit about your why, and then we'll get into your questions. What's yeah. with your big burning why? Two things matter more than anything in the world. So there's the time we're given here on this planet, super important, but there's also the connections that we have with people. So my branding agency's mission is to create better relationships or connections between brands and customers. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I'd love to apply that same theory to people who want to invest in real estate, but just don't know where to begin. Like, how do I help people create those connections? Like if you're born into a real estate family, okay, so you've got like a leg up. And if you have the opportunity to work with the CEO of Realty Mobile, you start to understand how this works. But like, there are a lot of people in my life who've seen what I've been doing. They're like, oh, I would love to be involved in real estate. I just don't know how to do it. Or I'm scared. I don't know where to begin. I want to be the person who can connect what I call these cautious investors to opportunities. There's so many ways to make money in real estate or to invest your capital. 
Is it a long-term buy and hold? Is it an apartment syndication? Is it short-term rentals? Is it office? Is it retail? Is it private lending? I mean, like there's so many things. So getting to my question is sort of connected to my why here is there are investment advisors for like the stock market. You go to an investment advisor, like here are my goals, here's my capital, make it happen. They figure it out. I would love to do that in real estate where like somebody comes to me, they explain their goals to me. I'm like, oh, okay, understanding what I do about you. Like you want to be involved in syndications or you want to be involved in short-term rentals or you want to do private lending because you find some flippers who are doing a good job and you can get your returns really quickly. I want to be the, the connector of all those things. Yeah, Eric, why don't you take that and we'll just take that as first question. Yeah, sure. So first and foremost, I think you're starting out perfectly in the right mindset of wanting to help other people. And you've seen a good amount of success yourself up to this point. And now you have other people coming to you. And honestly, the way I look at it, it's almost our duty to be able to provide opportunities for these people. So many folks out there have no clue how to do it. And a lot of people have extra income that they want to multiply. And so they trust people like us. I think to answer your question, as simply as I could, you've already got access to a way to add value. So much of this business is all value creation. And what kind of value can you provide to other people? And if you always attack these situations with how can I add value to you? And if that's the main thing you're looking for, obviously, yes, financial compensation, you know, SREO experience, things like that can be beneficial. But really, if you're looking out for the best interest of these people that are approaching you, then you already have value that you can instantly add to groups like Brian or myself. We're completely open to bringing you in as a partner and helping you learn along the way while also providing those investors of yours a good opportunity that's safe, that's going to give them a good solid return on an annualized basis, both cash flow and equity. So to answer your question, you've got these resources. Now you just need to make good relationships with people like Brian and myself, teams that are actively doing deals and see if they're open to having you come in as a partner and bringing some capital to the table to help them get to the closing line as well. I think you got a really good idea. I mean, you want to be that financial advisor for the real estate space. There's lots of ways you can do that. And I think Eric hit the nail on the head is it's relationships. If you have somebody coming to you and say, you know, hey, Stace, here are my investing goals. How do I invest this money? You know, if you're a market advisor in the stock market, I mean, you have access to hundreds and hundreds of different products already where you can pick and choose. If you want to do the same thing in real estate, now you have to have access to a lot of different products to be able to people's money in. It's going to take time to build that until you have lots of different opportunities in front of you. So somebody comes to you and said, here's my risk profile. Here's what I'm looking at. You can just say, hey, well, I know Eric's got a deal in Houston that they're running that's going to give you this type of return. Brian's got a deal in Salt Lake that he's running and you can be able to place that. The other thing I'll mention is that if that's what you really want to do, maybe you should look into setting up a fund to be able to bring people into these opportunities. That's a better vehicle for doing what you're doing or what you want to do. But most people have trouble getting these funds launched if they haven't been in a couple of deals and you know, had made these connections firsthand. Sometimes they can be a little bit expensive too, but if you have a good investor following and you start with a 15, $20 million fund, move up to a 50, you can really add some value quick. And just so you know, Stace, we work with a couple people very similar to that, strictly bring capital to the table and we bring them in as partners on these deals and they get to see the behind the scenes stuff as a GP partner, a general partner, and then all their investors would be limited partners on the deal. So... I guess, can you elaborate just a little bit on how that ownership of that would be structured? So the fund or whoever's coming in, bringing this capital, are they a separate entity or are they part of your group? How does that work? 
Yeah. So I'll happily take that. So for us, like everything's, it's all pretty above board, right? So if we have a certain carve out for the capital raise portion, for example, there's two sides of a deal. There's limited partnership and the general partnership, GP and LP. The GP partners are the owner operator team, the people that are executing the business plan, sourcing the deal, raising the funds, things like that. Of the GP carve out, there's a certain amount of that that's typically allocated to the capital raise. So I'll give you an example. Say we were tackling a deal together and the total capital raise on that deal was 4 million bucks. So for closing costs, CapEx budget or acquisition fees, different things like that, all of those things included was 4 million. And say you had a million dollars that you would raise from potential investors. If you came and said, hey, Eric, I've got a million bucks, that would be 25% of our capital raise portion. So in a, just for math purposes, let's say that the capital raise carve out of the GP was 20% of the overall ownership of the GP. You'd get 25% of that 20. So on that deal, if you brought a million dollars, you'd get 5% GP carve out on that deal. So you'd actually be one of our partners on the deal as well. So you'd come in as the GP, and then all of your investors would come in on the LP side, passive investors. So they just put money in and then they get usually either monthly or quarterly distributions. We do quarterly distributions on our properties. I'll just add to that there. It's very nuanced in legalities. You know, there's a lot of, Eric mentioned being above board, but there are a lot of legalities that you've got to make sure you hit and, and bringing a good SEC attorney in and understanding the rules is something that you need to be able to do before you start raising the capital. I know Eric understands it all, but I just want to make sure that anyone 100%. listening and, and Stace, you, you also understand that there's a little more to it. I know Gibby's does comply with the SEC, just making sure that people don't try to fill in the blanks there. So no, for sure. Good, good yeah. catch there, Brian. <laughs> Absolutely. We always mean to need to stay SEC compliant. So there's dozens of different ways to set up how the deals work. I mentioned the fund earlier, so I'll talk a little bit more about how that fund could potentially work. If you set up a fund as your vehicle to invest into a lot of different deals, you become a fund manager. And once again, there's a lot of legalities here. You got to bring in attorneys to help you set up the fund properly, do all the filings and advise you on how to legally raise capital. But once mm -hmm. you're past that, you set up the fund, people invest into the fund, you become the fund manager, and the fund can invest into other properties. That's one more vehicle of doing it. You know, One way you can do it where you just become a co-GP is what most people call it into a, a larger deal that like Eric's running, where you become a GP and your investors become LPs. The fund is just another way of doing that where you as a fund manager put people in the fund and you deploy capital from the fund into different deals. There's many different types of funds to set up, but that's just an alternative mm -hmm. to, to what, what Eric mentioned. That's interesting. So would investors in a fund, do they have liquidity or is it they're in for a certain amount of time? I don't know that much yeah. about funds. The short answer is you can set up the fund however you want, but if the fund's investing in real estate, the liquidity is going to depend on how you set up the fund. But typically, the way I set up my fund is the investors don't have liquidity because I'm taking their money and I'm immediately investing it into a particular asset. They will have the same liquidity that they would have investing in particular deals. However, there are many ways where you could set up a fund where the investors could still maintain a certain amount of liquidity. Interesting. Have either of you ever uh, worked with a fund or taken funds from a fund? Um, I've set up a fund and I've taken funds from a fund. Yes. Okay. And it's fairly simple to do. Eric, have you guys worked with fund managers? Yeah. Or funds? Okay. 
Yeah, we have. Yeah. We've done some with Tyler and Ryan and they've got their fun that's coming in on a, a few of our deals. Interesting. I'm thinking about the relationships of setting up with people in different sectors. So the original thought that I had was giving people an opportunity, not just to get involved in syndications, but the wide range of investment opportunities in real estate. There's just so many ways, you know, I know more syndicators than I know anything else, but there are people involved in office or retail. And how would you suggest I start to make those contacts with syndicators and outside of that? Great question. I think more than anything, this business is a relationship business. You know, you got to put yourself out there, got to go to a lot of multifamily operators, also dabble in some other things as well, storage units, uh, mm-hmm. office space, different things. And, you know, for us, we specifically focus on multifamily, but I have several connections and relationships with people that focus on other asset classes too. And also, and Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, you might know more on the fund structure, but I think you can also have multi-purpose funds if it's all disclosed in the operating agreement and whatnot. So That's accurate. Yeah. My fund, for example, I mean, when, when you look at what my fund is set up for, it is set up to invest in multifamily, but in the fund documentation, there's a clause that says that I still reserve the right to be able to invest in other real estate assets. There are people who do have kind of their foot in a lot of different areas, you know, or, or whatnot, but how to find people like this. I mean, the same way you find multifamily people, there's online groups, there's conferences you can go to you know, find a group of people who are doing it and join it. I would say that when you're starting out, I would suggest focusing on one, getting good at one, getting a track record at one, and then branching out. You know, I, I see a lot of people who kind of have their kind of like ADD with investment types and they're, they're looking at, you know, multifamily here and then industrial here, then office, and they never really land on one. Personally, I, I think it'd be better to start with one, get to know that one and then branch out. But like Eric said, there's a lot of people in this industry that are in several different asset types. Eric, you mentioned that. So your in-laws are investing with you. And I'm curious like how that came to be. So I know your family was invested in, had their own properties, but did your in-laws have properties or any interest in real estate before you married their daughter? Brett and Megan are my business partners in the business. They They didn't invest into you know me or any of my properties. I brought them in as Gibby's capital partners. Okay. So we're three legs of our tripod. My own personal parents, they are passive investors in our deals. Okay. So does that answer that? Yeah, absolutely. Have you guys brought any friends or family into your deals any more than you, you might have already mentioned? Yeah, I've had several previous coworkers invest in deals. Other family members, apart from my parents, also invest in deals. You know, for the approach that I kind of took with my parents, right? They've been in real estate for 30 years. You know, at first, I'm still their son, right? Mm -hmm. So they're just like, why do I listen to my son, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. We've been doing this for 30 years. So there was a credibility factor that I had to overcome. The way that I did that was, relationships, you know, and jumping into an education program where I had access to over 2000 other active investors that I could learn from and also have access to multiple coaches and mentors. When you do these deals, like Brian said at the beginning, you are usually required to have a sponsor, a KP, somebody that can help you qualify for the loan. So when I was working on getting my parents involved in their first passive investment with me, I leaned heavily on my team. It wasn't just me. And I was very transparent with them. I'm like, hey, listen, guys, you're not going to invest in this deal because of me. Obviously, I'm new. 
but I do know a lot. I've been through an education program, but the reason why you really invest is because of the partner team that I've put together. These guys here, Tyler and Ryan, they've been in the industry for over seven years. They've got over 3,500 doors and their average returns are over 36% on an annual basis for their investors. You know, you like I said, you don't invest in this deal because of me, but because of my partners. Now, after doing several deals, those are the people that I directly learned from. And so now we've gotten to the point where we're doing our own deals, but that's kind of how that worked with my parents. I have yet to bring a single family member into any of my deals, you know, and and it's not for lack of trying. I, I think uh, my family, I don't, I don't think there's very many people in my family that can, you know, meet the minimum investment in a lot of the deals. But friends, I, I do have a lot of friends in there. I, I would, I would say that almost everybody who invests with me, you know, has become a friend. Close friends prior to coming into the industry, I've had several who have invested with me, but the vast majority of my close friends have basically told me. Hey, good luck with what you're doing. That's not for me, you know, but uh, a handful of my close friends have been into it. But as I do this more and more, I make new friends and, you know, a lot of my new friends have, have invested. Yeah. Thank you. And we are about out of time. So one last question for each of you before we go, and that's how can investors learn more about you? And Eric, you get to go first. So yeah, my name's Eric Chatterton. Our company is Gibby's Capital Investments. You can always find us. We love uh, traffic heading to our website where you can read more about us and our bios. The website is gibbyscapital.com, G-I-B-B-Y-S, capital C-A-P-I-T-A-L.com. We have lots of blogs there, informational, educational content for new investors. We're even launching a passive investor course to help educate new investors learning about the space on what they should look for. So a lot of things there. And also, you know, you can find me on social media, I'm on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Those are my main primary ones. And so find me on social media. I'd love to connect with you. All right. And stay same question for you. How can investors learn more about you? My agency is probably the, the easiest way. Trustdeepagency.com, but also LinkedIn. I'm, I think I'm like the only Stace on, on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn.com slash Stace, or you can just, you can just look for Stace Casaria, but, um, but either of those platforms work. Yeah. And I will say on LinkedIn, I, I did look try to look you up on LinkedIn right before we started and my autocorrect kept on changing it to state. So, you know, make sure make sure your autocorrect's off when you're Googling him. But anyway, we'll, we'll put that a link to it in the show notes so people can just bypass the autocorrect. But anyway, awesome. I appreciate both of you guys for coming on to the show today and had a great Absolutely. time. Thanks for listening to the Diary of an Apartment Investor podcast by the Tribe of Titans. If you're still listening, you obviously liked it. So go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. And then make sure to check out our YouTube channel, which incidentally has a ton of video content that you'll also enjoy and learn from. Now, if you're interested in being on the show, go to our website, diaryofanapartmentinvestor.com and fill out the questionnaire on the website. And for more educational content and for more information about our educational community, check us out at thetribeoftitans.info.